know what's going down, but no one's saying shit what happened to the home of the brave. Motherfuckers, they controlling us now, when no one's talking about how they made us fight and be slaves. And everybody's just walking around, heading the clouds, they wanna wake up to a dead in the grave. By then it's too late, we need to be ready to raise up. Welcome to the end of day. Every- my name is John Machado, and this is the Gunpowder Plot Show, also known as the Guy Fox Podcast, and this is the continuation of the Protocol series tonight, covering Protocol number 15, the longest protocol, right next to actually Protocol number 20, I think it is. Um, protocol 15 is just a little bit longer than that, but um, yeah, it's long. So um, we're going to do this in a couple-part series. Uh, I wanted to do this earlier than tonight, but, you know, shit happens. So, um, we'll see. Hopefully I can get a couple more in before next Wednesday, um, and go for there. It, it would be great if I could just get all of the, all of the parts of this one done in that time. So, what is it? With no further ado, we'll start it. Paragraph one. When we, at last definitively come into our kingdom by the aid of Kudita, prepared everywhere for one and the same day, after the worthlessness of all existing forms of government has been definitively acknowledged and not a little time will pass before, the, before that comes about, perhaps even a whole century, we shall make it our task to see that against us such things as plots shall no longer exist. With this purpose, we shall slay without mercy all who take arms in hand to oppose our coming into the kingdom. Every kind of new institution of anything like a secret society will also be punished with death. Those of them which are now in existence are known to us, serve us, and have served us. We shall disband and send into exile to continents far removed from Europe. In this way we shall proceed with those goy masons who know too much. Such of these as we may for some reason spare will be kept in constant fear of exile. We shall promulgate a law making all former members of secret societies liable to exile from Europe as the center of our rule. Ho ho, fuck you assholes. <laughs> um, to start it off. In breaking down just this one paragraph, which is, uh, ah, fucking I told you so to the dickheads that are a part of all of this, um, that aren't on the NN, you know, this is like the upper management, but not, um, above their heads. Uh, these fuckers are gonna, are gonna feel it. So anyway, to to start off talking about the coup d'état, um, and they also they they have a time frame, which is that they're wanting to get all this done within a century. So this is over a hundred years old or a hundred and twenty years old. Um, at least this document is uh, said to be that old. So they didn't make that time frame. Um, probably some shit came out. Some well, this obviously this entire document came out. Probably fucked a few things up for them. Um, and then you have people of the likes of Bill Cooper, uh, Alex Jones, uh, David Icke, Mark Dice, people like this that I've been talking about for some time. Um, and in fact, in this book, right after the protocols, is a guy, if I can hear me, hear me turning some pages, heal me, hear me. 
Um, Jonathan May that uh, Bill Cooper talks about. So I'm sure I'll uh, have fun uh, getting into who he is. Uh, but it looks like he, and I mean even like the first paragraph. Hold on, let me get back to that. Jonathan May, where are you, you son of a bitch? You good son of a bitch, apparently. Um, Bill Cooper states, Jonathan May attempted to free us from the shackles of the Federal Reserve by creating an alternative banking system. Okay, maybe that's not what I thought it was going to be. Anyway, so uh, the century didn't work out for him, um, or at least not in that time frame. But these fuckers don't give up, right? Uh, apparently, they've been at it for quite some time, all the way back uh, at the very earliest to 1776 when Adam Weishaupt, and Mayor Amschel Rothschild came together to uh, create what we now know to be the Illuminati, right? So they've been going at it at least that long. <sighs> so anyway, let's finish breaking down this this par or the yeah this paragraph. Um, they point out that plots shall no longer exist. So essentially, the jig is up, right? They they've they have enough control where they can come out. Um, to everyone and they think at this point you know they're they're not going to have to worry about um anybody necessarily rising up against them or at least that they would have so much um they would be in control of so much that that they wouldn't necessarily worry about anybody rebelling and in fact they do state that they will slay and kill um any and all rebels um in here, in what, which they talk about, um, we shall slay without mercy all who take arms. And then, but it's in parentheses, in hand. So I assume what they're talking about here is basically no more guns. Um, and it it would bring a lot of uh, it would make a lot it would make it would be understanding that uh, why they go after the Second Amendment so hard. Um, they also point out in here, no more secret societies. Um, they were it. And not only that, um, and by the way, uh, any other secret societies would be punishable by death. But, you know, think of it in this way, that they're, it, just as I talked about um, Adam Weishaupt and um, Mayor Amschel Rothschild, basically at that point bringing together all secret societies. Well, they admit as much in here, right, that... Um, they know of all secret societies as of that point. They control them all. Um, they all serve them. And there's another part here. Those of them which are now in existence are known to us, serve us, and have served us. So that's all of the kit and caboodle, right? They, they know about all of them, um... They're in control of all of them, and they all have served them and do serve them now. Um, so after that, essentially any and all secret societies would be ones that you would think oppose them. Um, they're saying here, even though they know of all these secret societies, yada, 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 that exist now, they will disband them all and then uh, send them all into exile. This is kind of the, <laughs> the shitty side of everything, so I have to assume that some of these secret societies, once this... Um, document came out must have been somewhat pissed off to find this shit in here uh, I don't know what happened then uh, I would I would love to 
to know if there was some you know what maybe that's where the white dragon comes from there is a secret society in china and um, a large part of the orient called the white dragon man what was that guy's name I have it somewhere in my notes, but there's a guy that came out to talk about the White Dragon Society, and uh, these guys hated the Illuminati. They knew very well that the Illuminati existed, and they were they were at odds against them. Maybe it's because these protocols came out, and they decided, you know, what, go fuck yourselves. You're not gonna you're not gonna um, fuck us over. But um, anyway, yeah. So they're saying here they're gonna disband them all, uh, send them all into exiles. And uh, basically any, anybody that knew too much that wasn't on the higher end of everything, um, they're going to turn on them. And like I said, I mean, it's basically a great big go fuck yourself. And we told you so. Shouldn't have been a part of it. Shouldn't have been some evil sons of bitches. Anyway, uh, paragraph number two, resolutions of our government will be final without appeal. In the Goy societies in which we have planted and deeply rooted dis and deeply rooted discord and pro, uh, pro, pro, protestantism, Protestantism, Lord. Um, we have planted in deeply rooted discord and Protestantism. The only possible way of restoring order is to employ merciless measures that prove the direct force of authority. No, regr no regard must be paid to the victims who fall. They suffer for the well-being of the future, the attainment of what, sorry, the attainment of that well-being, even at the expense of sacrifices, is the duty of any kind of government that acknowledges as justification for its existence, not only its privileges, but its obligations. The principal guarantee of stability of rule is to confirm the aureole of power, and this aureole is attained only by such a majestic inflexibility of might as shall carry on its face the emblems of inviolability from mystical causes, from the choices of God. Such was, until recent times, the Russian autocracy, the one and only serious foe we had in the world, without counting the papacy. That's important. That's a side note. That's important. Bear in mind the example when Italy, drenched with blood, never touched a hair of the head of Sulla, who had poured forth that blood. Sulla enjoyed an apotheosis for his might in the eyes of the people, though they had been torn in pieces by him. But his intrepid return to Italy ringed him round with inviolability. The people do not lay a finger on him who hypnotizes them by his daring and strength of mind. Man, that second one. Um, basically stating that uh, they will uh, rule with strength and basically an iron rod. Um, they're stating here they'll be ruthless. Um but what's, what's important to take away from this, and this is something that I've said time and time again. Now, I, I didn't so much mention the first part, but it's the second. They admit their two greatest foes. One, um, the Russian autocracy. And two, this is one that I've always said, the Catholic Church. And in fact, in this, they're pointing out that the Catholic Church is even greater than the Russian autocracy. So... Um, what would you do against your greatest enemy? You know, I mean, this is even if, like, there were ever a civil war 
Um, whoever's going to lead it, you better fucking beware that they're going to try to infiltrate you and maybe um, attack them with the same measures that they attacked you. Infiltrate them, right? That would make sense. But um, what I'm pointing out here is that, in, as I've said before, go talk or go go check out Michael Voris with the Church Militant um, and see what he has to say about the communists uh, infiltrating the Catholic Church back in the 1930s and after. Um, man, who was I listening to the other day that uh, went into deep detail about this as well? So this isn't necessarily something that people just don't know about. Although most people, I would argue, don't. Um, but there are plenty of people that do know that the Catholic Church was, in fact, infiltrated um, in order to uh, ruin its own reputation. I mean, that's just the modus operandi of the Illuminati, is to, first and foremost, ruin your reputation. How are they doing that? Well, you have the um, the rape scandal, the pedophilia scandal within the Catholic Church. That'll fucking do it pretty quick, won't it? However, you have the same nasty shit, and in fact, I would, uh, maybe in, in some cases, worse that's going on in Hollywood, yet the mainstream media turns a blind eye to it. Uh, Hollywood puts out um, blockbuster movies to um, highlight what's happened in the church, but nobody does it back on them. You know what I mean? Um, look into it. It's pretty, pretty fucking uh, interesting to see how they work. Um, and then they also go into... Um, detail about how um, they take credit for Italy's leader at one point or another. Um, excuse me, they, they kind of fuck up his name. It's Scylla or Sula. I think it's Scylla. But anyway, so they take credit for that. Uh, paragraph number three. Meantime, however, until we come into our kingdom, we shall act in the contrary way. We shall create and multiply free Masonic lodges in all the countries of the world, absorb into them all who may become or who are prominent in public activity. For in these lodges, uh, we shall find our principal intelligence office and means of influence. All these lodges we shall bring under one central administration, known to us alone and to all others absolutely unknown which will be composed of our learned elders. The lodges will have their representatives who will serve to screen the above-mentioned administration of masonry and from whom will issue the watchword and program. Uh, in these lodges, we shall tie together the knot which binds together all revolutionary and liberal elements. Their composition will be made up of all strata of society. The most secret political plots will be known to us and will fall under our guiding hands on the very day of their conception. Among the members of these lodges will be almost all the agents of international and national police, since their service is for us irreplaceable in the respect that the police is in a position not only to use its own particular measures with the insubordinate, but also to screen our activities and provide pretexts for discontents, etc. Um, basically detailing how they use Freemasonry, uh, which is the glove to their hand. Pretty self-explanatory here. Um, and they go into some detail about how they'll obviously use their uh, police forces um, to govern. Um, paragraph four. The class of people who most willingly enter into our secret societies are those who live by their wits, 
careerists, and in general people, most light-minded, with whom we shall have no difficulty in dealing and in using to wind up the mechanism of the machine devised by us. If this world grows agitated, the meaning of that will be that we have had to stir it up in order to break up its too great solidarity. <sighs> America? I mean, like, before I can even finish this, does that not speak true to America? right and our solidarity in it and then what have we become now i mean we're a country that certainly is split damn near down the middle um i still don't believe that the majority is modern day liberal not the same liberal that they're talking about here which is classical liberal right from the root word of to free one from oppression and liberate right um but our country is split fucking pretty bad um but I think so much of it, as even as of right now, uh, is just fear-mongering and people being afraid to speak up and, and show themselves because they might get canceled. Anyway, to finish off this paragraph, but if there should arise in its midst a plot, then at the head of that plot will be no, no, no other than one of our most trusted servants. That's controlled opposition. It is natural that we and no other should lead Masonic activities, for we know whither we are leading. We know the final goal of every form of activity, whereas the Goyim have knowledge of nothing, not even of the immediate effect of action. They put, they put before themselves, usually, the momentary reckoning of the satisfaction of their self-opinion and the accomplishment of their thought without even remarking that the very conception never belonged to their initiative, but to our instigation of their thought. So, um, I mean, I would take away at least the beginning of this, who they target for becoming members, um, which is pretty spot on. Basically dumbasses and careerists, right? People who have a a focus, and it's, I mean, it's what... I don't know, I've kind of wrestled with for, for you know, since I was in my late stages of high school, I think, you know, this, this idea that, um, you know, that you, you go off to become this one thing and then that's all you're known for. That's your identity in, in, in terms of being one dimensional, you know, your profession. Um, and I, I think I really kind of wrestled with that when it came to uh, my uncle was a, a big example for me because you know he was a plumber and and uh i don't know if you know or not but dude fucking plumbers makes i mean like unionized plumbers make some fat cash and um and he did very well for himself but you know it was like i mean he was a narcissist and i i think he'd tell you that too but just the idea of only being known as that one thing um but that's a careerist, right? You're you're only focused on your career, and what have they done to women? Um, thanks to, uh, you know, the the feminists. Not even like women that just want rights, but rather or want the opportunity to make their own choice. Rather like a feminist, right? They've really turned a lot of women, especially in major cities, into careerists, where that's the only thing that they're focused on. They're not focused on being mothers. They're not focused, and even some dude. I've I've I know one right now, and I I don't want to necessarily use her name, but um, she was a careerist. She makes the most money between her and her husband. I don't even think her husband works anymore, but he did at one point. But you know, she's got two girls, and um, she just 
I feel terrible saying it about her because she is, I think, a good person. Um, but just not, hasn't paid a lot of attention to her daughters. Just hasn't. Their whole lives, you know, because she's a careerist. And she would be, um, although men can are the only ones that can be Freemasons. I can't remember. I think it's the Sisters of the Star or something like that, uh, which are the female equivalent of uh, Freemason. But and I don't know, maybe they've maybe they started letting women in, but um, you know, she'd be certainly a, a, a perfect fit for um, what they're looking for. You know, somebody who's so f so focused on their career and why that's important. Um, I mean, just think of like skull and bones, right? Why do people join the skull and bones? Why why was that ever a thing? Even though they made like a blockbuster movie about it, uh, which was more poppy than anything. I don't think that they really even touched on what the actual aspect of it is but it's it's what freemason is right it's it's a network and um you get into it in order to um kind of cut corners in in a way and and uh, be given certain uh benefits and and you know do you're, you're basically caught up in politics which you know provides a lot of opportunity for blackmail against you um, which is perfect for something like the um, Freemasonry, which, you know, you, you scratch my back and uh, more so I'll scratch your back and then you owe me for the rest of your life, basically. Um, and that's what they're stating here. So anyway, um, paragraph five, the Goyim enter the lodges out of curiosity or in the hope by their means to get a nimble get a nibble at the public pie and some of them in order to obtain a hearing before the public for their impracticable impracticable and groundless fantasies they thirst for the emotion of success and applause of which we are remarkably generous and the reason why we give them this success is to make use of the high conceit of themselves to which it gives birth for that insensibility disposes them to assimilate our suggestions without being on their guard against them in the fullness of their confidence that it is their own infallibility which is giving utterance to their own thoughts and that it is impossible for them to borrow those of others. You cannot imagine to what extent the wisest of the goyim can be brought to a state of unconscious naivete in the presence of this condition of high conceit of themselves, and at the same time how easy it is to take the heart out of them by the slightest ill success, though it be nothing more than the stoppage of the applause they had, and to reduce them to a slavish submission for the sake of winning a renewal of success. By so much as ours disregard success if only they can carry through their plans by so much the goyim are willing to sacrifice any plans only to have success this psychology of theirs uh, materially facilitates for us the task of setting them in the required direction these tigers in appearance have the souls of sheep and the wind blows freely through their heads we have set them on the hobby horse of an idea about the absorption of individuality by the symbolic unit of collectivism they have never yet and they never will have the sense of, to reflect that this hobby horse is a manifest violation of the most important law of nature which has established from the very creation of the world one unit unlike another and precisely for the purpose of instituting individuality 
So a lot of that is just basically what I've been saying. You know, they're using our own vices against us. And, and in this one, it's basically vanity um, that they would use against us. They, their argument is, is that in these careerists, you know, they're, um, they're really put, grinding on as hard that they're um, narcissists and um, that they really only care about their own um, celebrity, basically, and their own applause and that at, you know, excuse me, at any given point, um, they'll take it away. And as much as that, oh, excuse me, oh. and, as, and as much as um, they'd give it out, they could just as easily take it away and we would have or they would have um, basically that person by the short and in, in, in curlies, which would in the end um, make them very, uh, um, what's the word, manipulative? No. Um, damn, what's that word where you can make somebody do whatever you want, basically. And that's what they're getting at in this. Uh, paragraph six, if we have been able to bring them to such a pitch of stupid blindness, it is not a proof and an amazing clear proof of the degree of, to which the mind of the goyim is undeveloped in comparison with our mind, that it is, mainly, which guarantees our success. So they're basically calling us stupid. Um, the goyim, I mean, this is, this is almost childish. Um, basically stating that their brain is bigger than ours um, and that we're stupid. So... Or at least those who are careerists um, and more susceptible to this this type of treatment. So, uh, paragraph seven. And how far seeing were our learned elders in ancient times when they said that to attain a serious end, it behooves not to stop at any means or to count the victim's sacrifice for the sake of that end. Uh, so the end justifies the means. We have not counted the victims of the seed of the goy cattle, though we have sacrificed many of our own. Before that, we have now already given them such a position on the earth as they could not even have dreamed of. The comparatively small numbers of the victims from the numbers of ours have preserved our nationality from destruction. So there's a couple of things that I don't know necessarily what they're talking about here. Um... But for that we have now already given them such a position on the earth as they could not even have dreamed of. Are they talking about us, the Goyim? <sighs> and then, um, the comparatively small number of the victims from the number of ours. Are the victims of the Goyims that they're talking about here? The comparatively small number of, numbers of the victims from the number of ours have preserved our nationality from destruction. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Preserved our nationality from destruction. Nationality in... Yeah. I don't know. This is just going to have to be a question mark, I suppose. Paragraph number eight. Death is the inevitable end for all. It is better to bring that end nearer to those who hinder our affairs than to ourselves, to the founders of this affair. We execute masons in such wise that none save the brotherhood can ever have a suspicion of it, not even the victims themselves of our death sentence. They all die when required as if from a normal kind of illness. Knowing this, even the brotherhood in its turn dare not protest. 
By such methods we have plucked out of the midst of masonry the very root of protest against our disposition. While preaching liberalism to the goyim, we at the same time keep our own people and our agents in a state of unquestioning submission. So they're talking about here that they have killed some of their own. Um, and that they basically rule themselves with that said same fear, which is a weird way to do it. But I suppose if you're going to keep everybody in line, maybe this might be the way that you do it. Or at least that that's worked for them. Paragraph number nine, under our influence, the execution of the laws of the Goyim have been reduced to a minimum. The prestige of the law has been exploded by the liberal interpretations introduced into the sphere. In the most important and fundamental affairs and questions, judges decide as we dictate to them, see matters in the light wherewith we enfold them for the administration of the Goyim. Of course, through persons who are our tools, though we do not appear to have anything in common with them, by newspaper opinion or by other means. Even senators in the higher administration accept our counsels. The purely brute mind of the goyim is incapable of use for, an for analysis and observation, and still more for the foreseeing whither a certain manner of setting a question may tend. To a degree, I think that they are somewhat, I don't know, poking fun at our... Um, respect for the law, but I don't want to say that and have it be like a respect for all of our laws, right? I think in in this case, more importantly, it would be the Constitution, right? And where they say here, the prestige of the law has been exploded by the liberal interpretations introduced into the sphere. Um. And then they also talk about their uh, influence after this, uh, where they say in the most important and fundamental affairs and questions, questions, judges decide as we dictate to them, which um, could could be in in a lot of the the oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fuck, man, I'm getting getting tired, and it's only been thirty minutes. Um, it is somewhat late tonight, but uh, in terms of like judges, one, not making any um, any judgment, right? Not accepting cases, um, which we have examples of those in this past uh, December, um, late November and December after the, you know, the, the um, Supreme Court, you know, Trump having picked his three picks who turned down even hearing cases um, for the election. I mean, that could, that could certainly be um, an effect from someone else. And in fact, uh, it's kind of what I was thinking too, because it just didn't make a lot of sense that they wouldn't even hear the cases um, as well as all the other laws uh, much like the same-sex marriage law that I talked about in, in that it came about unconstitutionally. I've talked to numerous U of M lawyers, or I'm sorry, law professors who themselves were lawyers um, in this in which they even stated that the same-sex marriage um, law was certainly unconstitutional because it didn't go through the, the right um, pathway of uh, legality. Of, or uh, of making laws, right? 
Um, what else here? And the rest of this paragraph is more to do with, um, I think them being more braggadocious than anything and stating that they control, um, our judges, they control our laws, um, and they can cover all of that. They can cover all of their tracks, um, in, in the, the veil of, um, you know, newspaper, uh, opinions, um, that is to say the media. And then also to state that, um, you know, we're too stupid to understand what's really going on, basically. So I'm going to call it quits on that uh, tonight, but I will be back certainly to start um, with paragraph 10 of protocol number 15 next time, which I really, truly hope to get in soon. Um, but yeah, until next time, be accountable, be responsible, don't be a liberal.